morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to this iteration of Faster Than a Stand-Up. I'm Brent Lamont. Today we run our first rerun as we revisit episode 68 from season three. This episode covers psychological safety with Jesse Marchin and Teresa Kramer. I hope you enjoy the episode, and as always, thanks for listening. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to this iteration of Faster Than Stand-Up. I'm Brent Lamont. Joining me today as part of our series on agility and DevOps, friends of the pod, Teresa Kramer, Director of Agile Operations at SAP Concur, and Jesse Marchand, Senior Director of DevOps Enablement at SAP Concur. Hello. Hi. So... <laughs> We've been recording a few episodes, so everybody's a little tired of saying hi. It's all good. I got this. This, uh, this iteration, we're going to talk about psychological safety. Jesse, I'm going to ask you, what is psychological safety and why do I care? Yeah, so th there's some, some great articles out there that, I, that people may have heard of, you know, Amy Cuddy and, and some others that have talked about it. But I would, I would ask all you listeners to think about a... Uh, a spot where you've done something new and it's been quite uncomfortable. Uh, that could be, you know, your first recital. If you were playing an instrument, it could be, uh, you know, the, the spin up to a, a, a major uh, milestone or sporting event or, you know, getting married, whatever, whatever, choose your, choose your topic and your, uh, you know, something with a high level of, of, of discomfort and as you have that in your mind, imagine that that was, you know, your work space every day. And that is just as uh, the opposite of psychological safety. When you're, where you're uh, fearful of, of what come, you're nervous, uh, you know, you may have a physical reaction to that. Uh, and trying to be your best in that moment, uh, if that's your constant day-to-day -day environment is the exact opposite of psychological safety. So Teresa, how does agility enable psychological safety? I don't know that in and of itself it does. Okay. Um, we ask people to um, embrace values and principles um, that are agile, um, but in the absence of psychological safety, it's often difficult for teams and um, those that support them to do so. In order to be able to learn and iterate and fail fast, the teams need to have psychological safety. If they're in an environment where um, failure is punished, for instance, um, you're less likely to see people taking calculated risks that lead to innovation. So is that something that you see I mean, in my head, that goes to a, at a team level, at a group level, at a division level, at a, you know, all the way up the, the proverbial food chain. If someone in there isn't going to allow for all the things that we talk about, you know, being able to fail quickly, being able to take a risk, all of those things, if that gets blocked, I mean, is it that, it can go all the way up until you get to a certain spot and it's good to that space? Or is it that you think that if it's failing anywhere in the chain, it fails everywhere? It's a good question. I would say that uh, from my perspective, psychological safety at lower 
levels of the organization only optimize locally. So you can have a great culture inside of a team um, and not have that uh, present in the broader organization. Um, at some layer, the behaviors that leaders um, display in, to their direct reports are going to trickle down to the, the team level to some degree. Mm -hmm. And and I would almost encapsulate that uh, I, I know we've actually just had a recent discussion in our organization about uh, culture and and in particular the the Westrum culture uh, typology uh, organizational culture typology, uh, which is you know that uh, originated out of the safety culture and and some of those things, but it has has come into the DevOps world and, and looking at it that. And psychological safety is sort of a key portion of building a, a generative culture. If you look at the attributes of a generative culture, which are, are of course, you know, to generate uh, and, and as performance oriented versus uh, the pathological culture or bureaucratic culture, which are again, more rule oriented or power oriented. But looking at that generative culture and thinking about the psychological safety, how can you have, you know, high cooperation across the organization? How can you, you know, train um, messengers instead of shooting the messengers? You know, how can you uh, think about failure as an opportunity to learn versus, you know, punishing uh, someone for, again, failing in a complex system, which is outknowable. Those, those things all require psychological safety, not only at the team level, but at the organizational level as, uh, expressed in those behaviors from a generative culture perspective. Um, so that's, that's, you know, a little bit of a additional framing I would, I would put around that question. So do you think that DevOps allows for that? And if so, how? Uh, absolutely. Right. I, I think from a DevOps perspective, a lot of the, the tenants about, you know, fast feedback and system thinking and, and experimentation uh, tie very closely to that. And it's a little bit of the chicken and the egg, like, do you need a generative culture to do DevOps or do you need DevOps to do generative culture? Um, I would start with, you know, culture and behaviors set up the, the way to do to DevOps well. Uh, back to that sort of we don't want to be just agile and name only. We don't want to do DevOps and name only. Right. Um, but so I, I think, you know, ultimately from any transformational work, the culture and the behaviors are much more important than the actual end up, you know, practices. Um, if you have the right culture and behaviors, you're going to probably more, uh, you're probably going to end up in the right spot. And that's, you know, just just from everyone's experience that they think about teams they like to work on or, or their, you know, their best working experience of their life, those were probably more generative experiences. So it didn't really matter what type of environment or type of work you were doing. It was probably fun because there was cooperation. Uh, you know, there were people were able to talk openly about things that were working and not working. And, um, you know, there was shared sense of responsibility to each other. So then, Teresa, does that, to you, 
does that feedback to leadership has to have all the beliefs? Yeah, I think so. Honestly, I mean, DevOps and Agile aside, you know, if you have a culture that's a generative culture, people are going to be happier. They're going to be more productive. Um, you could put waterfall processes in place all around the team that they're still going to be happier and more productive if they're, they're working in an environment where they have psychological safety than not. Well, and I, I think it starts fun. with leadership. It's not culture isn't something you can tell people. It's something, it's the behaviors of leaders. So then how do we, yeah, how do we take this and grow? How do you grow culture? You know, and that's, that's a topic probably for another series, right? Growing culture in an organization. So if I'm, if I'm an individual con contributor on a scrum team or on a, not a scrum team, how do I help influence culture upstream? Jesse, any thoughts on that one? <laughs> I, I, uh, we had an intern uh, here or a fellow here uh, at, at Concur that was uh, on a rotational program that was on a management mm -hmm. track. And uh, one of the final questions there, she went through her normal rotation um, and she had to present her learnings. And one of the questions that, that I asked this uh, very sharp individual was, Okay, you've learned about a lot about agile and DevOps and, and mindset and culture and you know specifically psychological safety. Um, on your next rotation and as you talk uh, with your leaders, how do you how do you uh, expect to infuse your new learnings to them? And um, she thought about it for for uh, a few minutes and. You know, came came simply back with the answer that you know we need to have a conversation and continue to collaborate. <laughs> and it's uh, it, and I thought about that for a second. I'm like, well, that was a really simple answer, but it's true, right? How we need to start at that beginning of of you know trust and having real conversations about things. And you know, if you want to look at the five dysfunctions or something like that, you know, we need to start off that base level and and begin to have. Um, conversations, not from a hierarchical perspective, but as as ones that where we genuinely care about what, what you know the environment we work in and what we want to achieve. So it it does kind of go back to the I'll trust the organization to make the best call that it can. I'm going to do my part to uphold my end of the conversation, but you got to come back with something on your end as well. We need le leaders that are listeners. Mm -hmm. Okay. Ooh, leaders who are listeners. Perhaps that's another podcast. That's part of the leadership series. Right. Okay. See, you've, you've talked about it now for two episodes. That I'm definitely holding you to that. <laughs> okay. Well, that's the end of this iteration. I'm Brent. I'm Teresa. And Jesse. Until the next iteration, give us a five-star rating at your podcast provider. Send us an email at info at fasterthanastandup.com or you can find us on Twitter at FasterStandup. Thanks for listening. And that was Faster Than a Standup.
the opinions on this podcast are solely those of the participants and not of their employers.